Hello, welcome, and we are back once again with just me, by myself. Uh, this week we are Uncharted Solotory. I don't know if that's great. Salutatory. Um, was, was kind of in my head with that. Uh, nose is plugged up, feeling a little out of it. Um, and Quentin's microphone did not work, so he is not here. Um, but that's okay. It's going to be just me. This is the weirdest thing ever. Never done a uh, solo podcast. Not really. I don't know. Doesn't really matter. Whatever. Either way, we were going to do a catch up on Uncharted Territory Southeast first and uh, had some technical difficulties. And it happens. Uh, actually, peek behind the curtain, we had technical difficulties last week. Um, and the podcast almost didn't happen. Um, but we gutted through. And then now this week, those same difficulties have come back to haunt us um, to a permanent end, I guess you could say. Uh, the podcast has been compromised not to a permanent end, just uh, for the week. Quentin will be getting a new microphone. I don't know if I said that yet. Um, very shortly. And we'll be right back on schedule. But now I figured, fuck it. I'm going to just do it. No reason not to. Um, especially because I don't think I could make anything else work, really. I've got a busy week ahead of me. Uh, concert. Um, oh, you know what? <laughs> it's very funny. I think it's... I In my brain, I keep thinking it's busier than it really is. I've got a concert Thursday night. I've got a dentist Friday. And then Saturday, I don't have anything. And I don't think I have anything on Sunday. But my partner, Alicia, has an event on Saturday and I keep thinking I'm going to be involved in it, but I guess I'm not. Maybe I'll go. She's seeing Alyssa Edwards from uh, RuPaul's Drag Race, and she had a TV show about dancing. Oh, I shouldn't say she. I don't even know their gender term. Um, I just think of the character. Had a TV, uh, Netflix show probably about uh, like t t doing dancing training in a school. It was pretty interesting. It was like a reality show, one of those bad reality shows, but it was good. It was you know, 
intriguing. She's an Alyssa Edwards is an intriguing character. Either way, not why we're here. There was some news. Uh, I was going to talk about Cody Rhodes. I really just wanted to talk to Quentin about that. I don't care about Cody Rhodes and the pack and all that stuff. I was going to make some jokes and, and mess with Quentin. Um, but I don't care that much. I do care about the only important news. Uh, Timothy Thatcher shows up after having not been wrestling since leaving WWE. Shows up in Noah, of all places, which is weird. But he kind of fits. Kind of makes sense, I guess. Um, he wouldn't really make sense in New Japan. Re- I mean, why wouldn't he, right? Zack is there. Saber's there. There's plenty of people who can wrestle the same as him, but they don't really need him. Don't necessarily have the space. He's in a unit with a lot of other weird gaijin um, who kind of make sense together and kind of don't, but doesn't really matter. Either way, exciting to see where that goes. Um, but what we're really here for is to talk about uncharted territory. Southeast first. Um, we talked a little bit in the past uh, about the first episode right after it had happened um, but only offhandedly I think because I watched it live or was watching it live and then switched over either way first episode I thought was pretty strong um, I think the booking through I think that there's noticeable standouts that other people have mentioned that like clearly seem like our focuses of the show. I think obviously AC Mack, sure, Kevin Koo, obviously, and Adam Priest, uh, seemingly like the the core focus. But I think another one, and a really interesting one, here even on the first episode is Alex Kane, um, showing off something that. Showing off some depth to his his uh, style, his abilities, I think. Showing off a different side of him throughout the series of the show. So far, I think has been a big thing. And I think, you know, fantasy book predicting whatever. I think that there's something to the idea that they could be booking Alex Kane towards something. And I don't have any knowledge of this but you know it's maybe seems random but it makes sense to me on the way that i see stuff going alex kane versus bojack which i don't know you know maybe no one would see it maybe it's just me but it seems like it makes sense because you kind of teased as i said a little bit a different side of alex kane um throughout the throughout what he's done on here uh not always being the most dominant and the most powerful person in the match doing a lot more selling showing up some depth to his uh, wrestling ability, and, um, yeah, so going from, you know, Jaden in a loss to, uh, to the match with, um, what is it, I can't even think of the guy's name, um, Sean Campbell, uh, solid, oh, no, that's Bojack against Sean Campbell, what am I doing? What am I doing? Losing track of things because I forgot to put my phone on silent. Um, either way, he uh, has the the Lobo Okami match, which definitely felt like it was kind of going out of his uh, his um, wheelhouse for what he's good at. 
Um, and then, yeah, like I said, just seeing Bojack just seemed presented like a guy that would be a good uh, challenge for Kane to have to overcome down the line after that. But we'll see where they go with stuff. I don't even know if I should even try to predict anything, because that's part of the thing about this is... Let's say that it's... I like the booking, and there is some interesting stuff, but it feels like it's hard to predict anything. Not to say because they're doing a bad job of setting stuff up, but it's so early on in the ideas and stuff. I'm hoping stuff comes back to mean something, but it feels like there's just some random matches just happen. But then it does seem like stuff comes back and matters. So it's kind of like... It's tough. And I, you know, I shouldn't uh, be negative off the rip. Especially when you know who's behind it. When I know who's behind it. And like it's people that you can expect that they're going to pay it off. And not just blow this stuff off without anything to it. Um... So there's no reason for me to think like, oh, it's just going to be a big waste of time and some of this stuff is just random and I shouldn't be trying to predict something. But I do see like, it seems like there's a build to do something different with Alex Kane here to show off a different side of his ability. And I think that that will get paid off because he's his selling, I think, has been great. I haven't seen a ton of that from him, but um, as I mentioned in the Lobo match and in the Ace Perry match, I thought that he looked fantastic. Uh, fighting from underneath, selling, and then doing his big bombs like he normally does. Um, Jaden Newman, obviously important to the building, important to the show, but I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to see from him. I didn't get much of a story out of him, and then it felt like, not like forced, I won't say exactly, but it did feel like he's kind of just <laughs> farting along, having, you know, matches, being like the, like, oh, you just accept that he's the ace of this company because, or this place because of the building or whatever. And then, like, there is a bit of a storyline going on with uh, The Last Laugh and Billy Starks and, you know, different partners for her. And then Jaden just kind of shows up and interjects and puts himself into it. Like, now this is my feud and I'm bringing in my boys to have a match with the last laugh. Uh, and I can't be like, oh, you know, again, like I said, just like, oh, he's the top dog. You have to just accept that he's the guy because he didn't win. So it wasn't like he just took over and automatically destroyed. Like, he was a part of a setup for the... Um, for the last laugh to continue on with their story. But it did seem odd to just kind of like from there. And maybe this was like a last minute thing. Because I don't even know if the Tank Billy Starks match was supposed to happen. But you go from you know, wrestling's cutest couple and Nikki e forming against Billy. To then Billy is just wrestling Tank on the show where you know now oh Jaden Newman's the real, you know, the real, the real guy who's going to take it to these dastardly heels. Um, so it just seems a little haphazard and a little bit, like, not forced exactly, but definitely not, like, it doesn't feel super thought out. Um, I like cutting to the commentary guys as much as they do, Dylan and Moe's, um, I think maybe this just comes with, like, awkwardness, or maybe it's just, like, a sign of times changing, but... 
I think Moe's, unfortunately, like, has a nervous tick to just do little hand gestures and cutesy faces and things um, that, you know, again, I just, it's not something you would see in old Toratory wrestling, and uh, and when you cut to the commentator booth like that, and, and you know, with the green, you know, big, like, green screen or whatever, probably not really green screened, um, but cut to them in between the action so that you're not just showing an empty ring, but to, like, kind of show them talking. To me, I always think of that as being, like, a more professional old school territory kind of thing and they're not going to do they're not going to have guys mugging for the camera that way um <clears throat> again that could just be being old school me being a little bit too over cutesy about like oh you know you should be more professional it's indie wrestling it's not meant to be professional obviously and it's probably not an issue i love it i do or not love it i do like this that layout and cutting to the the commentators like they do but I do, I kind of miss and was hoping that this would have more angles, more outlandish, weird stuff going on in and around the ring. And we're really not getting a lot of it. So then that makes cutting, you know, just the, to the static two shot of the commentators in the middle of the match very regularly um, feel a little just dull. And I shouldn't. This is fine. You know, it's good, and I shouldn't have expected so much more. It's it's because I think of the old-school territory wrestling and thinking that, you know, TV, studio TV, and thinking of the outlandish angles that have happened and knowing and expecting them to pay homage to that kind of stuff. Homage, homage. Um, and uh, just really thinking, like, the big, big angles and the big goofiness were, like, few and far between when it comes to studio wrestling and that stuff didn't happen all the time um but it's the stuff that sticks out in your memory so you think about it as happening all the time and being important um and it didn't it happened rarely it happened uh you know not that often it was not uh you know every episode didn't have a big angle and a big you know something crazy so uh yeah it's it's to be expected but it does i do feel like we end up getting a bunch more of the static two two man shot and not a lot of dynamic crazy stuff going on around the buildings and that's what i was expecting more of um especially because the first episode ends with the the cruel and uh then slade stuff and then the second episode opens with it and so i'm kind of thinking this is going to be what we get and then after that it really dies down we don't get a ton a ton of stuff um like that Adam Priest, I might say MVP of this whole fucking thing so far. Honestly, um, every one of his matches has been good, good to great. Um, his performances are always phenomenal, and the character stuff has been good. I really, really enjoyed Adam Priest on commentary. Um, he definitely crossed that line about like turning it completely into getting himself over, like you know, is the issue sometimes with wrestlers doing guest commentary, but he's not doing long-term guest commentary. So it's not, I'm not mad at it for a one-off thing, but, uh, he was really natural, smooth, solid at it. And yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Not something I would have uh, predicted enjoying as much as I did. It was, um, Adam Priest on guest commentary. So got to keep that in mind. Merrick Donovan and Shug D interactions. Um, good, fun, 
I fed, I I got myself amped up for the idea that Merrick Donovan was going to run the table like he said he was going to, um, and having it cut off as quickly as it did, probably for the best. Um, but that said, I was kind of hoping that he was going to go on a solid run with it. I feel like maybe it got cut off just a little bit too quickly. Um, especially because I don't know when they actually go to the Suge D match. I don't know how long until that actually happens. It feels like something you're going to hold off on building to before you deliver it. So, you know, no reason to, to rush to it. Um, and maybe do a little bit more, but the, it was getting a little stale with just kind of the same setup over and over again. Um, of Suge D interrupting post-match or, you know, sending videos and all, like, every time after the, the Merrick match. So, I can see cutting it off now before it goes a little bit too long in the tooth. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of the big standouts other than, again, like I said, Kevin Koo, um, having really good performances so far. Uh, Cole Radrick match I thought was phenomenal. Um, highly recommend that one. The Anthony Henry match, obviously. Anthony Henry and Brandon Williams was a lot of fun. I'd highly recommend people check that one out. Um, and then, yeah, the Anthony Henry and Kevin Koo match was really, really fucking good. And I will say that the Eric Royal-Ron Bass Jr. match. I was a little down on Ron Bass Jr. before. Um, just thinking that he kind of doesn't quite hit the right note for me. But... Um, I thought he was great here. Obviously, it's with the Ace God. Everybody knows how phenomenal he is. Um, but, uh, yeah, really solid one to check out. Um, and then, yeah, Koo and, and Anthony Henry. Um, the most recent episode as I'm recording this, episode number five, just recently happened. And I would say it's the strongest episode so far. Um, for wrestling wise and I mean that's about it really there's not a ton storyline wise but I thought they did an amazing job with the setup um, for the AC Mac match so on episode 5 at the end of the or episode 4 at the end of the episode they play a video hyping up Speedball Mike Bailey coming to challenge for the title and I thought that that was a really great video and made it feel super important on what is essentially just kind of a thrown together dream match challenger match but it's someone who's got a ton of hype behind them in uh, Speedball Mike Bailey um, who's had a bunch of great matches recently who hasn't done a, a lot in the IWTV realm um, since coming back and having him come in and get this challenge and set it up the way that they did I thought was great but uh, otherwise, on the fifth episode, I thought Jaden Newman and Colby Carino was phenomenal. Great, you know, ten under ten or ten minute match with a great story that was put over by the commentators, but also sold in the ring super well by the wrestlers. Um, just kind of the, even though they're close to the same age, Colby's been wrestling for so long, you know, already. He's kind of the the older vet. Uh, but they've still known each other for a very long time, and uh, 
and Jaden's got something to prove, and Colby's not going to let him prove it on him. So I, I really, really adored this match. Uh, talked about Kane and Ace Perry a little bit. Super quick, but another really good showcase for just how talented uh, Alex Kane really is. Um, I think first time I started seeing him and was kind of really enamored with him. He seemed just like a phenom in a specific way, but as I'm starting, you know, just athletically gifted, badass kind of vibe. But now that I'm starting to see more depth to his abilities in ring, I'm more and more impressed um, with him you know, as, a, as a wrestler. Um, Veda Scott and Kenzie Page with Iggy and... Uh, Hunter Drake. Good match, but lots of Gaga. What do you expect from kind of a Nick Iggy run thing? Nick Iggy is starting kind of a new a new stable with all of the bells and whistles that come with that. Um, Veda's Veda, and she's not bad, but I hate... I hate just how blatant it feels that it's like Veda is just the package that comes with Speedball at this point. Um, it really sucks to just watch and think like how often you see her, how often she's doing commentary or she's wrestling or whatever she's doing. And it really feels like the only reason why she's here is because speedball is here. Um, and you know, I mean, it is what it is. And people, I feel like people go a little crazy with how you know great she is as a commentator now. And that's, it's, it's fine. I understand it. People like to do that kind of stuff. I would say that she's not horrific. And with the state of indie wrestling commentary at this point, that's saying something. And she's perfectly serviceable in-ring. And I think she gets more shit than she deserves for her in-ring, really, from a lot of people. Because I've, I couldn't name, like, bad Veda Scott performances. And women's indie wrestling in the United States for the past however many years has never been phenomenal. You know, there's pockets here and there of good wrestling, but with the quality of people that she's has been wrestling throughout the time, she's not the most athletic wrestler on the planet, but she's not... I can't say that I can recall a bunch of matches where she has tons of, like, botches and sloppiness and shitty, and the matches look bad, really, you know? So I think people really shit on her wrestling more than they deserve, and they praise her commentary more than they do. And I think it's really it's it's just people trying to be nice, and I understand it. Whatever, that's fine. Um, Cruel and Ryan Galeon, Ryan Rush, uh, a guy who I was a fan of the first few times that I saw him in Beyond years and years ago. A guy who, at his size and his ability, really felt like. With what he can do and how he looks and the way he sells himself, he should be on the radar of something somewhere. And for some reason, his career has just never taken off beyond the really low-level, you know, northeastern promotions. Um, I don't know what the fucking deal is with this guy. Because he's insanely agile for his size. Very athletic big guy. Um... You know, really feels... I mean, obviously, he's probably not actually gigantic. But I've always thought he kind of looked like um, Matt Morgan. Um, but, like, Matt Morgan, if he could, like, really wrestle. Which, Matt Morgan would do some silly stuff. 
Um, I remember he used to do like a plancha, like a twisting plancha kind of deal. Um, that just looked like, you know, nothing. Like, basically like he was doing nothing. Maybe it looked like a, a 360 dunk or something. I think he was a basketball guy, so that would make sense. Uh, but yeah, like, Galeon, um, is, is very talented for how much he doesn't seem to ever get anything. The guy's career is just constantly stalled out. Um, it has been for the whole time. And I don't know why. But this match with Cruel, I thought, was really fucking good. Galeon made all of the action, bumped around, everything huge. But I mentioned this a long time ago when I caught just like a match or two in MLW of Mads Kruger that um, Cruel had really found something with this Mad with the Mads Kruger gimmick, um, Logan Creed. Because I had never liked Logan Creed, but Mads Kruger was something. Um... And this cruel thing works for him. And this match is a sign of how it works. I mean, this just big behemoth monster going off in this crazy, you know, monster match match with Ryan Galeon was phenomenal. And this is a big part of why I said this episode was so strong. Because you've got so many great matches and then you've got something like this that really produces something completely different and stands out in a big way. Um, as something, you know, like I said, different. It's not like anything you're going to get on any other show. Um, and just completely knocks it out of the park. Uh, yeah, so like I said, phenomenal episode up and down the card, really. Airbnb against uh, High Flying Star Machines, really. Airbnb coming together as a pretty fun little party tag team. Brogan Finley becoming the better of the two Finley boys. Um, we'll see, but you know, realistically, he at least comes across like less of a douchebag than his brother at this point. Um, and Bobby Flacco, been a fan of his for a long time. Uh, I mentioned Bojack earlier and feeling like they're going to be, there's something they're brewing with this guy, obviously. I don't know what they're going to do with him, um, but feels like just you can't ignore the presence that he has. Um, not the hugest fan of Bojack, not to say that I dislike him, just I don't watch the Deadlock Pro stuff. There's supposed to be a lot of good stuff there, I think. Um, probably got to go out of my way to check that out at some point. But up until this point, I'm, I haven't been majorly impressed. Um, so yeah, you know, whatever. Their team is good, fine, whatever. Uh, Damon Turner versus DMC, uh, kind of, you know, what you would expect. Not really what you would expect. I don't. I didn't know what to expect from Damon Turner. It was a weird way to put the gauntlet on him and then now have a heel with it. Uh, feels a little bit like the Tony Depp and Infinity Gauntlet run. Maybe kind of go with something a little bit along those lines. We'll we'll see. Whatever. Um, Giza and Martyr was, I thought, really kick-ass. Young Lions going to town on each other, beat the fuck out of each other. Just really strong, you know, like I said, young lion, young boy, but bubbling up to being ready to start be taken seriously on the uppers of cards kind of match between the two. They went to fucking war with some brutal stuff. Giza, you know, I've seen him here and there, never followed him a ton, but nutty and really huge over-the-top physicality, liked him a lot, Martyr, Martyr, I think, is really insanely well-rounded, you know, and it's fun to pick on him, but I think he got a rep from too many people, people love to buy the buzz, and if your gimmick is good wrestler, people just buy into it that you're a good wrestler, and I think that he bit off more than he can chew, and started getting presented like, oh my god, he's the, you know, the next coming of Bob Backlund or something, he's this great technical grappler, um, and he's really not quite there, He's solid. I think, you know, Dan Makabe will get something out of the kid. Um, you know, not to say that, but I think that he's much better 
at a lot of other stuff. And he's not necessarily this amazing grappler on the mat, but he gets that record. He He's kind of more of a roughneck on mat wrestler, and he has some brawling stuff that looks good, and that's kind of what he needs to focus more on. Um, unless he really wants to do the grappling thing, then fuck it, train your ass off for that. But, I mean, he doesn't have, like, a huge background in it. He just seemed to kind of want to be... I said, you know, next coming of Bob Backlund, really, if anything, he's always, to me, looked like um, Drew Gulak, like a reincarnation of Drew Gulak, really, but not as good. Um, but kind of, and Drew Gulak was that same thing, too. He, Drew Gulak, insanely talented on the mat, but the roughneck thing, more of the grinding the knuckles into the bridge of the nose, the, you know, the forearm, putting the bone of the forearm across the face, you know, doing a little bit more of the... The, the rough stuff, strifing, as I said, uh, William Regal refers to it, right, on commentary on, on AEW. He's kind of more that style, and I think that um, Robert Martyr probably is going for that. And I think that just people... It's like when everyone was saying Lee Moriarty was the best wrestler on the planet. Like, people just... Uh, fuck, I... I hate to do that, you know, people are dumb as shit, and they just buy into what they're sold. <laughs> and I hate to say that, but it's just true. People buy what they're sold. Um... Either way, Adam Priest Hoodfoot, absolutely phenomenal. Again, like I said, Adam Priest, I I think I just gotta say it, Adam Priest, the MVP of this whole show so far. Adam Priest is, he come back from his injury, and he seems like he's been ready to fucking go, and he's been doing it ever since. It's been almost a year at this point now, because um, he kind of returned for SCI, I remember. Um, and just everything he's got going for him, uh, you know, <laughs> the reincarnation of Jamie Noble, as I say, and just as talented, hopefully, uh, he can get something, get something going from this because, um, I just, I just, I can't imagine, I saw him get like an AEW dark shot and like, I know he's small and he is what he is, but I mean, he is so good and I just want to keep seeing him wrestle great wrestlers and this is a good place to see it, obviously, but I guess... This is something to, to kind of wrestle with. Like, I love indie wrestling, and I always have. And I like indie wrestling more than I like big-time wrestling. But even with wrestlers who I personally know and talk to and all this, and, and, and just in general, the reason why I want someone like Adam Priest to, to do well, the business side of things, is I do argue about, like, I don't want to hear about ratings and I don't care. Um... It's because I don't want him to leave. <laughs> and so many good indie wrestlers, if they don't, if they're not cutting it and they're not making money, the road, the road will own you, as the late great Buddy Wayne would say. Um, and if you're not getting anything out of wrestling, it's real easy to just pack it up and go home. And I don't want someone like Adam Priest to do that. So while I don't think that the worth of a wrestler, the quality of Adam Priest is getting signed by AEW and making a bunch of money, um, because I think the, the worth of him is just how great he really is on his own and has been, and like I said, MVP of this uncharted territory and repeatedly delivering in every position. Angles, like I said, guest commentary, promos, and then the wrestling. I mean, he's been on fire. I, I, I gotta really dig into this, but he could end up on this wrestler of the year list relatively high with how good he's been. Um, yeah, relatively high. That's what matters to me, but I want, I want to, selfishly, I want him to stick around, so I don't want him to you know, leave wrestling because he's not making money and not getting, you know, the adulation and the 
the notice that he that he thinks he deserves or that he does deserve. So that's why I, I do go like, oh, you know, why the fuck doesn't AEW do something with him? I don't really want him to do anything in AEW. I'd rather him wrestling matches like this with Hoodfoot, who I don't think AEW is going to touch. Um, but maybe they will. That would be great if they did. He's another one who probably should be there. Um, yeah, like, I love Hoodfoot in these settings. I think... You know, Hoodfoot and Makabe, number two match of the year so far. I think Priest and Hoodfoot, similar kind of style clash thing. But Hoodfoot's great in this. He doesn't need to do the deathmatch thing. He's got a bit of a record for that now. Or a little bit of a, a, yeah, like, he's kind of thought of it that way. But that's not how he started. That's not how I first noticed him. And I think it was kind of smart. He did the deathmatch stuff to get noticed. And then now he can, uh, you know, take some time. And do this kind of stuff and start getting noticed. Main event. IWTV title match. AC Mack versus Mike Bailey. Um, I thought this was great. Um, I think that I really get, have been given short shrift to AC Mack. I saw someone tweet like the best title run going on currently is AC Mack. And I just dismissed it outright instantly when I when I saw it. I thought the person was being ridiculous. Like I was talking about just carrying water for stuff because it's what you're told. But... Truth be told, I talked to old buddy Shu on, on DMs and uh, just mentioned that. that like When I talked about, a few weeks back, AJ Gray and his style and that he forces himself into working epic ace matches when that's not what he's good at, that's really stuck in my head for a while and I kept thinking about it. And I talked to Pete about it specifically. Um, and he mentioned how that's not what AC Mack is doing with this title run. And it's, it's, it's not like he's wrestling totally different. He's not wrestling like everybody else. He's not having just the epic. And the thing is, is like you can, people can say AC Mack is not a good wrestler and that's why, but he won the title against Alex Shelley in what I would say was an epic ace style, all Japan, you know, that kind of thing match. And it was phenomenal. Some people call or say match of the year. People loved it. He did that. Um, but that's not how he then has wrestled everything after that. And he's shown in the past that he can do this kind of stuff. Like we talked about, like the we've talked about the Austin Theory match repeatedly. It's come up. Um, he's had other solid, strong matches. Stuff like with Ace Royal. And again, you can start pointing at like, oh, these are all those like great workers. Whatever. Either way, this was not the stereotypical speedball match that we've been seeing everywhere. Um, it was toned down quite a bit. It had a lot less fireworks. I could have done without even getting into as much fireworks as they did towards the end. AC Mack, I thought, did a great job selling the leg through the, the closing stretch um, and setting up kind of the dueling limb work with, with uh, the knees of Speedball towards the end. And not really a flash, but kind of an unexpected... Um, finish with uh, everything really feeling like it was going towards Speedball and Mac just kind of with one big counter uh, really changing the game and getting the win uh, I thought was done again really well I thought I think that Mac really is doing a great job as the IWTV champion I just think it's pretty tough for anything to Really get on anyone's radar right now. There's a bigger conversation about what the fuck is going on with indie wrestling right now. Why everything seems so dull and boring. Why there's you know nothing that seems like it really matters. But 
that is not for tonight. Uh, that is a conversation for another day. Um, either way, that will be it from me here. Uh, you can follow Quentin on Twitter at QT underscore Moody. <laughs> you can follow me at something else. Uh, Bone Dog's wife. I wish Quentin would stop plugging my Twitter. I don't know. I liked when I just wasn't doing that anymore. It doesn't matter. Either way, we'll be back next week, hopefully, with a normal episode. Um, as normal as they come, right? <laughs>